Good evening. Good evening. I'm E.J. Massa, and joining me today is John Hunt, mm. Nina, mm. and Frankie. Mara. And, <laughs> and today we're going to talk about the Oscars. Um, John Hunt, to start, what are you wearing? Uh, so I'm wearing Oak Hill. Uh, this is Oak Hill collection uh, from um, Destination XL. And uh, these, uh, these jeans are from uh, Macy's, uh, provided on sale. Frankie, uh, who are you wearing? Well, I'm wearing um, a closet blazer from Misk Store uh, <laughs> over, over a traditional box Mac uniform. Mm. So I don't know if you know this, but the Oscars are coming up. Hey, Nina doesn't... <laughs> you totally skipped what Nina's wearing. Nina, your dress is lovely. Thank you. Where the hell is it from, Nina? I don't know. I was relieved you hadn't asked. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about these movies. What a great bunch of movies these yeah, are. Yeah, right. I, I, in terms of Best Picture nominations, I mean, this is this was a real bunch that I thought was not really that worthy. It was a real slog. We also do say this every year. Every year we, we go out of our way to try to see as many nominated pictures as possible. We kind of prioritize them based on Best Picture and then the acting categories and then kind of whatever of the chuffa that we can get from there. <laughs> That's right. But uh, before that, we go out of our way to try to see films that we think could be nominated, that there's yeah, a lot of yeah. kind of buzz around. And this year really surprised me. A lot of the films that we had gone out of our way early to see yeah. didn't come up again. I, I watched Cicero, Black Mass, uh, Ex Machina, and none of these were nominated. Straight Outta Compton wasn't really nominated for anything. And then when the, the, I got the nominations, I had to slog through the ones that I missed. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like every year, these are the movies that come out December 31st in one screen. Well, The Reverend is really guilty of that. They did, mm. they did literally two showings at that at one cinema in, in I think, Arizona. So yeah. whenever you do a year in review of movies, you're always basically talking about the current year that you're in. Well, the Revenant recently was number one. Yeah. And that's supposed to be a 2015 movie. Right. So it's a... It doesn't, didn't really exist in 2015. Yeah, they only showed it so that it could qualify for the Oscars in, in last year. So we always do make a, this group makes an effort to try to watch, because we're all film fans, we're filmmakers, we make an effort to watch as many movies as we can every year, especially the awards movies. That's right. And every year we do, I, honestly, we do say the same thing. We always say, man, this was a terrible year, because we're just coming off of having to watch <laughs> a lot of stuff. And then we say, man, wasn't it great that year that Django came out? <laughs> <laughs> but, but this year, The Hateful Eight came out. It yeah. wasn't it was nominated. It was for, nominated for one thing, uh, best, best Supporting Actress. I, I think as the years go by and your memory drifts, you only remember the movies you remember. And so you forget how bad the years were and how dense every year is with crap. I don't know, people might accuse us of being like, I don't know, blockbuster fans or something, that we only like blockbusters. We love independent film. We, we just want films that, you engage. know, engage us, that give us something. Mm. Is there a prerequisite that they have to be these boring slogs? Well, it's not that there was none of them, like not to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah. The Room really surprised me. I enjoy, or, yeah. or Room, not The Room. I know what <laughs> yeah. The Room, room surprised me too. <laughs> you are tearing me apart! Lisa! Uh, this movie, I was so pleased with this film. Um, this is the first time in a long time that I've kind of walked away from a movie and said, wow, that really had something new to say to me. What, what would um, you say that was? Because I liked it too, but I'm not sure that it, I thought it was like all that revelatory. There was some real reality to it. What, yeah. what happened after they got out and 
what happened to her afterward and oh, how also, they dealt uh, with that. Both spoiler alert and trigger warning. The Red Cow Network has trigger warnings. We're not gonna have I'm it. so well, disappointed. Well, 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 Room has trigger warnings. Yeah. Kind of wish there was a trigger warning. I knew nothing about this film going in. Oh, yeah. It kind of took me a while to be like, figure out what was going on. And then when I knew what was going on, I was like, Oh. Yeah, now they're advertising it like it's Forrest Gump. Like, Nina, it's this uplifting film. Nina and I saw a trailer the other day that was yeah. like, everyone's seeing the room. Or he's seeing room. And, and it was like, <laughs> like, them hugging, them smiling, them running in a field, and they're like, room. It's gonna and shock And all these awards, people. and we were like, dude. She's in the cover, she's holding the child, and he's wearing like a monkey hat. It looks really yeah. happy, they're smiling. Yeah. There's this thing going around right now, Dumb and Dumber cut together like an awards movie. Yeah. I'm sick and tired of being a nobody. Most of all, I'm sick and tired of having nobody. This, they took like room and cut it together to look like almost like a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that really kind of impressed me about that film though uh, is, uh, first of all, the child acting was really stellar. Mm. Pretty good. The only thing bad um, about it maybe was the writing of the child at times. At times, yeah. it was a little Yeah, the, the voiceover stuff. The voiceover stuff made, like, especially when it started, it made me think this was going to be like some sort of trippy indie film. Yeah, like. it took me a while to settle into it because the tone was so strange to begin with. I was like, great, here we go, Oscar movie. By the end of it, I mean, I, it kind of left me in a strange place. It left me in a, like, a slightly upset place that like, you know, how after seeing how plastic the child was, right? How mal how the child kind of adapted. And I I found that very believable in the film. How damaged the adult was, the mother was by the end of the film, uh, and how she was just barely kind of recovering. I thought that was really interesting and, and really how she's so strong in the first half and falls to bits in the second half and the kid becomes so much stronger in the second half. I thought it was really interesting. The actress Brie Larson, I thought she did really well considering how hammy you could go with that performance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that, the, the, the premise is very, very strong and it's very easy to slip into some, some really hammy lifetime acting and she did a really good job keeping it naturalistic. There were only two bright, uh, I guess, dark spots for me that were like, that rang really untrue. Mm -hmm. And that was when she got in a really, this is after they escape, spoilers. <laughs> uh, she gets in a big fight with her mom and the mom is like, don't you know that we're suffering too? And I'm like, I think the mom would just be like, okay, I get it, I get it. And like, would probably yeah. like go, like I think that she would be given a lot more space. That's, it seemed false to me. And then the other one was like the TV reporter that was being completely inappropriate. Oh, yeah. Other than that, um, really good ideas. I really like movies that have good, consistent concepts, even just something like that, shed that they're in, is a really, like, because Nina and I are sitting there going, oh, well, you can't kill him because if you kill him, then you're you're, you're locked in with the dead body. Yeah. And like, you're, you're, and then the movie starts to, the movie reveals to you that it knows all the things you're thinking, mm -hmm. and so it's just as smart as you are, if not smarter. And yeah. so I, I really like movies like that where I'm kind of, I'm, I'm up to date with the logistics of where we are and what we're doing. I, but I agree with EJ. I think a lot of it was the acting because it was that far from being a lifetime movie. And, and if it wasn't for that, you're right, you're it would have right. absolutely settled. It was right on the edge. So is that the difference between a, a cheesy execution and a non-cheesy execution is centrally is the performances? Is that really what oh, makes so. makes the difference? I mean, if it's a naturalistic performance and good direction. And writing too. Um, writing is huge. The staging was great. The first hour takes place in that shed. And, and it never it, felt, it, it always felt visually unique from unique. shot to shot. Even just using lensing to to change the size of, the room, you know, it's, room, right, yeah. it's large to you because this is all you ever have known and then suddenly it's really small and just a really smart movie. Yeah. I'm Thanks for saving our little girl. You're gonna love it. What? The world. 
about The Martian? So I was kind of when I first saw this on the on the the best picture list, I was a little surprised. I mean, I really liked the movie. I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, I liked it before um, thinking it would be an Oscar film. We went yeah. out and saw it because it came out at a reasonable time. It wasn't yeah, trying it was to throw a, itself in at the very end. The, it was Ridley Scott's best film in how many years? Oh many. Oh many. Yeah. And I I I like Ridley Scott. I respect him. He's seventy eight years old. He's seventy eight years old. That's kind of amazing to that to make such a you dynamic make a movie film. like that. I like I like that the the central antagonist of, of the film is. Is a bad situation. Yeah. You know, it's not, a, there's not any one person that's being a, a dick. Yeah, there's no other yeah. astronaut who's trying to sabotage him. Yeah, right. There's no, no, it's just yeah. a bad situation and, and lots of minds trying to come together to solve it. I mean, I find the, the, the portrayals of NASA also very, uh, and it's just that's what, what corporate life is like anywhere. The yeah. kind of decisions in the backrooming yeah. that's being talked about. I just found it very enjoyable to have it portrayed so cleanly. Well, well, that was really helpful because that's what kept it from being. Castaway, yeah, or you know, exactly. just like a man like, against oh, the element. Oh, high drama! You know, yeah. kept the drama. Yeah. I, I really down. liked it that they were able to communicate with him during it, because otherwise yeah. it would have been like, oh yeah. my god, they're so disconnected. The one thing that was actually distracting for me, especially on the second time through, is how hot these. NASA we were saying the same thing, and we were like, is, is he not with somebody? Honestly, he is. He is hot. He is funny. He is obviously brilliant, and he has no. Family, like other than his parents, well, he, who get mentioned. There's only once. one person like that, and it's yeah. John Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> well, even the crew, it's like you have both Kate Mara and Jessica Chastain in the same spaceship together. Right. They're so similar, similarly conventionally beautiful. And then back on in Houston, you had that little like hip girl who's like tracking out their their location. They're just trying to make STEM super sexy. You know, you see you see pictures of NASA astronauts. Uh, yeah, the woman who like rode across the country in a diaper to kill her lover or whatever it was, that woman did not look like either of those two. Anyone know what she's talking about? Lisa Nowak drove 1,000 miles wearing a diaper. Admits to spraying shipman with pepper spray. That's gonna be next year's Oscar nominated <laughs> film. The great diaper heist. <laughs> the other thing um, that was kind of distracting, the character that Matt uh, Matt Damon was playing was just so cocky and yeah. so quippy. He was a botanist, but also a chemist and like... He was just so awesome. Yeah, and an engineer. I guess they kind of had to be because the, the, the situation was so grand. He blowed himself up at one point. He blew himself up and then he's like, oh, but I'm so smart. I yeah. get myself back out of here. Yeah, he's like, well, so things went a little crappy. <laughs> but you know, <laughs> I'm talking to my GoPro and we're going to yeah. get this done. I, I, I liked that they didn't try to make it a bottle movie. Because I, I, in the trailers, for some reason, I thought that maybe it was like, we're only going to watch Matt Damon talk to himself. Yeah. And, and it, it ended up yeah. being... A, like 127 a, hours? A, a movie, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I, uh, is a movie I really like. But um, a film that I thought was going to be a one-man show turned out to be actually a really large ensemble. A really uh, good ensemble, quality. Yeah. And actually, like, the credits, like... Like, they did that Ghostbusters 2 where they do, like, in-the-moments kind oh, yeah, of yeah. posing and stuff like that. Yeah. And they kind of did that at the end, and I was like, ah... This kind of warms my heart. <laughs> You're nostalgic for the people you just watched. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, if that works by that point, it means you were engaged in the characters. Yep. And the only one I didn't like was um, Donald Glover. Mm. Donald Glover plays like the the internet sexy version of a nerd, um, that the sort oh, of gl yeah. the glorified introvert. Uh, up all night, having worked it out by himself, yeah. brings uh, it to the big he's, league. He's so quirky. He grabs the stapler and yeah. he's zooming around the room. Uh, <laughs> shut up. We talked about two great movies. Yeah, what two good movies. Let's, let's lower the stakes here, because the next one I'm going to talk about is Brooklyn. 
Oh, man. I don't want to speak. This was such a snore fest. Such a snore fest. It was like some 70-year-old woman's story of how her parents met. That's that it. they made into a film. Yeah. I actually, you know, usually when I try to watch these, I really try to make a good effort. I had to put the 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 the, the se- like the second third of the film on fast forward. Once she went back to to Ireland or wherever she was from, I don't know Scotland, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's Ireland, it's quite obviously. Yeah. I knew exactly what was going to happen. Like it was so so blatantly obvious that she was going to still go back to him. Of course. Yeah, she like flirts with like the ginger kid who's in all those movies nowadays, but then. Uh, oh, yeah. And, like, the only, like, real conflict is that she didn't, like, tell her mother that she was married for a while. Yeah, and, and when she does, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. I kind of knew. A lot of people that are watching this probably have never seen Brooklyn, and we're just kind of sadly rambling about it. Yeah. It's, a very, it's a very vanilla story about the conflict of, like, a new immigrant to the U.S. and what she faces when she first gets here from Ireland. And then her, you know, family member dies in Ireland, so she goes back, and it's that distinction between the two places, and she feels pulled back home. Mm. And it it's is very so vanilla. wretchedly boring. <laughs> I don't know how it got into this. It, this yeah, I, it doesn't belong here. This field. Like, all right, so my wife, my wife Anna is reading the book, and she hasn't seen the movie yet. And I was talking about the movie, how it's so boring. She's like, yeah, the book is kind of like that, too. It's just like, it's just, it's just... It's just there. Can I just tell you, it, I, it, look, it's a, ro- it's a romance story for very, very, very basic people, okay? And, and very, very basic women. And, but what is it doing <laughs> in the best... Men. What is Why it? is it in the best picture? What? I have no idea. Well, it wasn't brilliantly shot. It, was, it wasn't brilliantly shot. Are they edited. thinking they're doing a little something for the ladies? Because they have a Martian there. Everybody's loving this. Even the ladies! EJ, you're a cinematographer. Okay. Um, this is one of those movies that, that people would just be like, oh, well, it's shot nice. I mean, it's... It's competent. It's, it's competent, yeah. yeah. It's, that's why I would describe it. It's like, okay, there's nothing that turned me off. I was so bummed out the whole time we were watching it. It's just a period, dusty department store boarding house film. But just think of, like, even just television nowadays. I, like, you watch Better Call Saul, and some of those shots are breathtaking. And that's television. Yeah. Yeah. This is a motion picture for the big screen. Yeah, what, what, what makes <laughs> in the Oscars, in the best of the year. And I can't even tell you a shot I liked in that film. I can't tell you one. No. Well, I mean, what makes a show like Better Call Saul interestingly shot is are the ideas of the shots, not the the sort of shallow aesthetic of it. Yeah, Th- this had a really shallow aesthetic. It wasn't like, trying to communicate anything. Saccharine period. It like it has a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Why ninety eight percent? And 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 people are, no, that's not called. People are saying things like. Like, a fantastic date movie. Look how great taste I have. I think it's like a sad movie that you take someone you're going to break up with. And it's like, <laughs> let's just get miserable and decide that we don't like each other and just yeah. go our separate ways. Let's be, let, let's be dying to go home at the end of the night. There was one scene that I was like, I hope this scene goes on forever. That really beautiful um, Celtic, uh, like, Gaelic singing. Oh, that, that was, was like, the was one like a, shining moment. There was a male singer who sang this song. Oh, yeah. yeah. And was I was really- like... This is like a great CD. It, it, can it was can the, we just get to the end with this? It was the only moment that, communi- that communicated anything human in the film. Yeah. Was was these sad men who had been so nice. displaced. Like I, that was the one moment where I was like, oh, this, you know, it's sad. But the, the story overall wasn't even a story of adversity. No. It, it was kind of like pretty easy for her to get there. It was pretty easy there. for her to go home. And she, she could have she stayed She didn't have one leg. She yeah. didn't have cancer. Yeah. She wasn't pregnant. She wasn't even ugly. The story was about a person who went from there to there. <laughs>
<laughs> and she was like kind of mousy, so that maybe that was an issue. Yeah. But you were you were like maybe I'll like it. I mean, I'm I'm kind of into this like the pale Irish girls. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I like I like the fair ladies. Yeah. But, and like she shit in the pot in the beginning. That was kind of funny. <laughs> she shits in the pot and then it's all downhill. It's downhill from the shitting in the pot. I want you to stay here with me. So next we got Mad Max. Mad Max is the one, the, the greatest feminist film of 2015. We're still not shutting up about it? Mad Max, the feminist film. What do you guys think well, of the feminist to, film? Well, we have to like it. Well, we're not feminists. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to push women underground in subservient roles in life, so therefore I have to say Mad Max. 110. Look, I don't really understand. This is another movie I don't understand. It was a fine film. I I enjoyed it. I had a good time watching We're it. We're losing subscribers by um, the second. By the I second. I appreciate that Mad Max is among the best pictures. I do. It's because cool. it, it is a variety. It is cool because, you know, it's usually dominated by things like Brooklyn. It's more accessible to, like, the average movie going on. That's audience. right. I never, ever, when they, when they showed the trailer at Comic-Con last year, I never would have thought, it would be a Best Picture nominee. No. And that's pretty cool. As far as spectacle filmmaking goes, like if you spend $10 to go see Mad Max Fury Road and you don't come out saying like, yeah, that was worth my $10, then I don't, like it's a, yeah. it's a roller coaster. But for my taste, it's not something I'd go back to. No, I, don't, no. I don't think there's anything all that all that compelling going on. There wasn't any story. There was there was no there was no plot no story. Well, I suppose they, uh, there was some story but no plot. Yeah, that's right. There that's wasn't much in the way of characters besides like this looks cool. She does this cool thing. That, that, that's why I kind of resent the, the the politicization of this whole thing is because I'm not seeing the depth of character that's being placed onto yeah. it. I'm yeah. just seeing people. As, as a matter of fact, I, uh, there's a bunch of like. Super uh, hot chicks. Shall I say useless naked, hot chicks? Naked, yeah. naked, useless hot chicks. Yeah, I'm like, this is feminist? I don't quite... Because you could just as easily make the, the counter-argument, which is like, this is a very sexist film. You can project whatever you want. Right. And, uh, and, it, it, and maybe that's the problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is what it is. It's, it, to me, it's a Disney Disneyland like theme. I've expected my, my seat to move and shake. Sends a little dust in your face. A little dust in my face. Definitely a lot of dust. I was actually pretty impressed with um, the practical work that they did. A lot of practical desert work. And of course, it's all 3D augmented in the shots, but um, generally it looks really good, except for just a couple shots that looked really bad. Yeah. The film overall had a really nice aesthetic. It was, I don't like, know. It was creative. Yeah. And again, George Miller, he's getting up there in his age, and he can pull off a movie this energetic, this That's frantic. Right. I mean, it was, it was a feat to behold. That's what it is. It's a spectacle. Some, somebody could do a really interesting dissection. Uh, uh, com- compare uh, Michael Bay style direction to this. Right. I, think so. I, I, was ju- I was just about to say, I could see what was going on in the film. Mm-hmm. Like, they didn't kind of yeah. cheat by doing really close, shaky shots. But they're you both could see mayhem. What was happening. Complete yeah. mayhem. Yeah. And yet, you follow the action, and it was, you know, it's it probably one of the most masterfully directed uh, action films of all time. Next one is starring America's favorite actor, right? Tom Hanks, Bridge of Spies. Oh, oh Jesus. man! This one, uh, for my money, might be as bad as Brooklyn. I, I'm, I'm actually fun. gonna I'm gonna agree with you there because America's favorite actor for an hour and a half of the movie was just like pretending to have a cold. Yeah. Did that work for you? No, I don't even know that happened. <laughs> the whole second half of the film didn't work for me. The first, the first part, I mean. Uh, as, as everyone well knows, I like a good procedural. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows. 
Um, and the first half was a lovely procedural, a lovely courtroom, 50s procedural. Well, and um, with some really interesting themes, like, yeah. oh, his family's getting threatened now. That's right. But his values are he's going to see this case through to the end. That's right. And then the case ends, and they drop all that, and he goes, oh. Yeah, and then he gets <laughs> like stupid. And then, he, then he walks around with a cold and no coat all day. That kind of makes the first half bad, you see. Because, yeah, like, yeah, no, definitely. Because the only thing you're enjoying about the first half is the potential that you're inventing in your head. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, well, like this is going to pay off in it, a fun way. Yeah, right. it could have been a good setup for who this character is and mm. a really good kind of character piece, and instead they threw it all away. And not getting ahead of ourselves, but that guy who played the, K- the KGB agent, he's, like, nominated. Do you guys remember him in the movie? I don't remember. Which one was it? <laughs> he's, like, the guy at the very beginning they catch, and then Tom Hanks is... Oh, is it the painter guy? Yeah. Okay. He's nominated, that guy. Actor. Best supporting actor. But he didn't do it. Of this entire year. <laughs> he, like, had, like, grandpa eyes. And he, like, did this all the time. Hey, not everybody has that kind of muscle I control. Sooner, I can't I would, do that. I would sooner nominate Peter Dinklage from Pixels. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fire blast this help? He has some demands. It was a bold choice. <laughs> all right, there was one scene where he's talking to... I, I think like well, the, the Russian guy, and there was some tension in that scene, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is kind of interesting." I wonder if this could be a scene. And then, and then, yeah, and like <laughs> I like sat in my chair, I'm like, "Is something interesting happen?" And then, like you know, Tom Hanks like leaves the room, and he has a cold on. <laughs> this is Steven Spielberg. His last few movies include. Uh, Lincoln, which was the absolute most boring thing oh, in the world, um, and uh, War Horse, which is the most saccharine oh, thing in the world. Uh, Spielberg has not made anything good in a very long time. I would say probably Catch Me If You Can. Because Steven Spielberg has most... grandpa eyes now. It's just so disappointing. He made Jurassic Park. People are talking about Indiana Jones Five as though like, oh, see, Lucas was involved and this, this, that, and the other. Lucas he'll make was a, not the problem. He'll make so. a good movie. No, he can't make a good movie. I'm sorry. Yeah. I bet you Lucas was the only thing that made it interesting. <laughs> You heard it here first. It wasn't Pre- prequel hater, Frankie Frank. <laughs> if, one, if, if Lucas can do one thing, it's mix shit up a little bit. <laughs> Innocent and naive, Stephen, when will you learn? Is there any redeeming qualities, do you think? No. No. F minus. F minus. <laughs> I would never. I, I thought it was a little better than Brooklyn, but I found Brooklyn pretty unfair. I think there, there are three categories of films. There's, uh, in terms of, like, watchability, there's... Uh, something that you really are grateful you watched, but you would never watch again. I put room in that category. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are movies that you're like, I really would love to go back to that and try it again and see what I missed, or I, I, I've been thinking about it ever since I saw it, so I really need to rewatch it. And then there's movies that you didn't even want to watch the full way through the first time. Brooklyn Spies. Yeah, right. It was one of those things where I was, I was, I was checking the time. When I- we used Plex to watch this, and I just kept pausing it. Staring at the time code and like, okay, here we go. <laughs> it's like when you're running and you stop Sucking for you stop up. for water and you, like, you start remembering what it's like to not have to be in the race. And you start like looking forward to like the bathroom break. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and you take you take an abundance. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't even do it. I ended up picking up the iPad and just reading about like the blacklist and like the Cold War and yeah, like, oh, oh yeah, we do that too. We just, start learning just about on like, peripheral items. The things that they could have put into the film to make it really interesting, yeah. and they didn't do. Yeah. The next mistake our countries make could be the last one. The next one, it's a little bit of a mixed bag, in my opinion, is The Revenant. On its core, it's a simple, like, revenge movie. Birdman won last year, and um, this was this was the one he really wanted to make. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't know a lot of backstory behind it other than, man, it sucked out there. Oh, it was so cold, and we had <laughs> yeah. to eat raw bison liver. And... You know, I don't know why anyone was quite so passionate about this film. There's, there's only raw 
uh, like humanity versus nature. Right. And I guess that's interesting in a way. And there was actually beautiful cinematography in this film. Yeah, I heard about um, how they had to only shoot at certain times of the day. We have windows of one hour and a half to shoot very complex scenes with hundreds of extras. So it was like a theater play and all the actors embraced that technique. And because yeah. it was all this natural lighting sort of thing. And, so and be- that beautiful is- for beautiful sake? Yeah, but the characters weren't... I mean, the characters were there, but there was nothing to them. They were paper thin. And I don't really know... He got nominated for a Best Actor for this, and I don't really know why. Because uh, all he did was was move around and grunt but and wrestle with a bear. He spit a lot. He did. He spit, and he was, he was very hurt. So was Steve-O. He's a vegan or a vegetarian <laughs> and had to eat a raw bison liver, and we had to hear about that over and over. So that's all I got to do to get Nina nominated next year yeah. is just make her eat a fish? Yeah, just, just make me eat some macaroni and cheese, and I yeah. <laughs> Leo, Leo was Leo. Like he didn't, he didn't give me anything. I, I think Wolf of Wall Street is his his career defining uh, performance. I think so yeah. too, and that didn't get him mm-hmm. that far. And that should have been the one, and it wasn't, I guess. And and this they just dirtied him up, and yeah, just, he had a beard, and it's like he always does, does these voices. Yeah. And... He knows how far I came to find him. The the, the, the biggest reason that. He worked so well in Wolf of Wall Street is because, and maybe not so much in a, in a movie like this, is because he looks like a rich kid. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he looks like he, a... He, a, he looks entitled. He looks like he doesn't give a shit about anyone else. Well, also, I loved him in Catch Me If You Can, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. I've now brought up twice in this discussion. But, uh, <laughs> but I actually really like that movie. It came out in 2000. As an example a, of a better Spielberg and, and a better, better Leo, Leo movie. Yeah, and a better Tom Hanks. Because there are other movies like that, too. Basketball Diaries, going way back in his career. He, he played that same kind of bombastic on the, on the like, you know, you could buy, buy him in that. I didn't really buy him in the Red. Well, I guess Gilbert Grape is also, like, his mm. big movie. Sure. I, I think he plays more energy better. Like, yes. like, like even yeah. in, even in The Departed, his being, like, anxious, yeah. like, his anxious energy, a, a lower-key, just kind of determined, quiet oh. thing. And I loved him in Django, too, actually. I mean, I thought one of the best things about this film was actually the relationship of him with his son at the beginning. And then they Too bad the son wasn't a character. No, he no, wasn't. wasn't. Uh, and they tossed they tossed that away <laughs> and made that the plot point. Uh, and it could have been really interesting. They could have developed that. Wait and, a minute, what did you like about this particular relationship? Because no, it was, you might as well have had it was a pet the rock. only human relationship in the film that didn't feel like like just a oh, grunt grunt person. You it know? did to me. You, you didn't care for the eyebrows relationship. <laughs> no, there was, a, there was a guy in the movie we call eyebrows. He had like a weird like preteen look to him. <laughs> he was, he was a little conflicted. He was trying to like be a man in the wilderness yeah. and trying to figure out what his ethics were in the situation. That's true. You're right. He, he was actually that. the main character for me. Tom, Har- Tom Hardy was incredible, I thought. Yes. He, he, was, he became a yeah. character. Yeah. Like, Leo, I could see Leo. And then, but Tom Hardy, I even had to remind myself that yeah. was him yeah. at, halfway through because I was like, that's Tom Hardy. It took me about 25 minutes to be, oh, that's Tom Hardy. And he's, yeah. he's doing something. And it's and again, it was very naturalistic. You felt like, oh, this fur trading is his thing. He's doing this to survive. You were kind of sympathetic to him, even though he was an asshole. Yeah. You knew that's what he had to do to survive. That's right. And I felt that. And I I, I think he probably deserves the best supporting actor, actor in my opinion. I would never watch this movie again. The, all, 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 all of the genuine pain and torture and suffering that apparently they went through, I, I don't really understand why you... Why would I want to see that? Why, do I, why is that... Because the, the movie's supposed to, in, in, in its heart, entertain. Right? And why is it necessarily good acting? 
Yeah, exactly. I, I, mean, I wasn't that entertained. If, if you're just reacting to actual pain. Yeah. It is masterfully made. It is beautiful. Yeah. I, I kind of call it like an anguish, like screensaver. Like it could be between like the, the like shooting, like the the stars and the, yeah. the and swirling. the serene pond. Yeah, yeah that's like right. the lily pad. And I could have that playing when when I leave my computer idle. But <laughs> it was it was masterfully done. I I think. Um, I, I'm not going to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, uh, Alejandro. Alejandro Inarito. He has a vision. He he executes it. I really respect that. I respect everything. The, so the, maybe director, but not film. Yeah, I respect the the craftsmanship. Yeah. I'm afraid to die anymore. I've done it already. Let's talk about Spotlight. People love this movie. Um, I don't. I thought that it was um, blocked boringly. I thought it was told boringly. I thought that um, shot like TV. It, it was, was it was really shot like shot it was shot like TV. Like Law and Order. The, the the revelations that took place in it were cliche. It was Mark Ruffalo running down a hallway. You saw everything coming. Reveals uh, the, the the dialogue was explicit instead of implicit. Um, when they were talking to victims, uh, they were saying everything just kind of out loud as if no one's ever heard of abuse before, as opposed to like trying to make me emotionally understand it. So I, I, it, it didn't work for me on all of those levels. Can I say one thing? There was a scene uh, where it was a, like a victim's advocacy group. <laughs> it was this guy comes in to talk to Michael Keaton and Mark Ruffalo and uh, Rachel McAdams and everybody. And, and he, I think, is an unknown actor. I don't know him from anything. How do you say no to God? And he sits down and he spits out five minutes of expository information, mm. and he does it amazingly. Yeah. He was really it was good. The most with, interesting. He was part. really good with exposition, and all the other characters, all the celebrities, had to do was sit around him and ask boring mm. questions, like, mm. yes. "What about this?" And, <laughs> this and is how you make a movie. Apparently, he just carried the whole scene, oh, yeah. and um, and they all no, there was no blocking. But he he was even able to infuse story into the exposition by getting angry at them for asking the question, and uh, I was like, that that guy probably should have been nominated if anybody. Yeah, the the whole film overall was just a boring procedural. It was it was it was competent. But people love people love this movie. But guys, it was the the best institution in the world, the Boston Globe. <laughs> I think there's a conflict of interest here, but you should probably still watch Spotlight. You could trust me; it's it's real good. But another time where it could, I, it was a really interesting story. I went googling the story yeah. because I was kind of bored with the film and, yeah. and, and there's so much the interesting stuff The story is there. actually really interesting. It, it doesn't help that we had, we had also watched Concussion the same night and there was a number of other movies that are that all followed this pattern, which was, oh my God, a system that we trust failed us. But <laughs> what I did appreciate is that they didn't try to Hollywoodize the movie too much. Maybe to a fault. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I know the journalists in question, and they were concerned that, one, they'd, be, they'd shoehorn Rachel McAdams having uh, an affair with Mark Ruffalo, right, a car chase at the end with, like, yeah. the, the, the going after the priest or something. Some kind of death threats from the church. I'm grateful every time a waiter brings me non-poisonous food. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this movie was, non-poisonous food. And I, work, <laughs> and I work for the restaurant that serves you non-poisonous food. Well, you, you guys didn't make this movie. You, you did a wonderful thing. You took down those pedophiles. <laughs> But, uh, you are responsible for Stanley Tucci and Mark Ruffalo and... So I think we can all agree it was the best movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, sure. um, buy a, subscribe to the Boston Globe. Um, Do they, they won't still... deliver your paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so it was okay. They knew and they
and they let it happen. It could have been you. It could have been me. It could have been any of us. And then finally, we have The Big Short. The Big Short. Yeah. Directed by Adam McKay, who is a, a famous butt buddy of uh, Will Ferrell. The same director of Step Brothers. And Anchorman, and uh, anything, that's a, anything that's an improv-y Will Ferrell fest. We uh, hire a lot of improvisational actors, uh, so they all kind of fit his style, and uh, that's mainly how <laughs> it, This is the, the first film he ever made without Will Ferrell. Did you know that? No. Yep. Uh, like Will Ferrell is like seriously his his boy, oh. um, and I, so I was really surprised to see him bring in all these A-list Oscar stars and stuff. A really uh, incredible cast. Yeah, the uh, cast was was tight. When I saw the trailer, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna enjoy this movie very much. Then I went into it, and I had heard some mixed things about like, well, they they make the the finance talk really accessible, or well, actually, it's not as accessible as accessible as people have been saying. I found it perfectly understandable, and in mm-hmm. fact, I think I knew all of this. I actually yeah, think yeah. I knew all of this. Yeah, I, just through, I mean. But maybe maybe we're a little kind of more informed than the average. I had to buy a home in two thousand nine, and then that, and that did inform me about. But I mean, a lot I, of this. I certainly didn't, and I knew I didn't know all the subtle details of. They, they brought out a few details, but overall, they they at, at several points through the film, they kind of break down and go into this. They have a celebrity of some kind explain. They step out of the film. That was the most stylized um, stuff. Yeah, and it was very stylized, and I I thought it was it was almost completely unnecessary because the things that they were actually trying to communicate were, were fairly. Simple. simple to understand. But I think they were cons- probably concerned that the common moviegoer wouldn't... Sure. That's right. Wouldn't go. I, but at the same time, their audience is probably people like us. Well, the, the whole movie had like kind of an edgy vibe to it. Yeah, um, it, 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 a little wink-wink like... Oh, we're adapting this. They didn't actually find like these papers here. Yeah, this I, is for I, the, I this is for the movie. I actually really liked that. I, I, I thought that was a really cool touch because it was... I, I, I think that the the film knew that its audience might be smart enough to start to doubt lots of things that are in it because we all know that when you dramatize anything, you make stuff I, up. I did kind of appreciate that. And it was kind of cool to be like, look, we didn't actually do this in the yeah. lobby. This is just for the purposes of the film. Yeah. But this really did happen. Yeah. I really, I really enjoyed Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I really did. He was. He like, was a great like antihero. He, yeah. he brought me through the film. He was charming. He wasn't playing like a Ryan Gosling like character, which That's was right. nice. But I really liked that Steve Carell wasn't stunt cast. Yeah. He, he was just, he actually just was Steve Carell showing up to do some work. Like, yeah. he wasn't, it wasn't like um, that movie last year that came uh, out. Fox it wasn't like Foxcatcher where he had this, like, dramatic makeup yeah. transformation. Yeah. But, but I appreciated that they didn't ham-fist shove a woman into the group. Like, yes. like it was, it was, a, it was, it was men, it was finance. Seven, you know? The wife in the Steve Carell story was a little shoved in, maybe that, potentially that for that there. reason, yeah. Yeah. to be like, she oh, no, like, there is a woman. And then, like, the, like, the, the African-American woman who was, like, the head of the company that he worked for. <laughs> Yeah. I was kind of like, all right, are these real characters, or, or is it just because this is like such a sausage fest? But I was glad that we didn't get like some hard ass woman on the team that yeah. didn't exist. Look, I mean, it, this is a very male story. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a story about male excess, and it's a story about major male failure. We're the top CEOs, and we're the most homeless. I, I, I know we're all in love with Star Wars right now, but it would have been so easy for them to do a Star Wars thing where it's like, oh, Christian Bale needs an assistant. She's a female. Oh, th- this particular scene needs a, a a woman to do something. Okay, so it's not everyone in the so background you're an- advocating for no diversity. Yeah, she's a show for the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs>
if you need somebody in the background, you don't have to stick a woman in there. That is no better than just sticking a chair in there. Yeah. So let's not act like that's funny. We saw we watched Project here, here. We watched Project Greenlight this past year. Yeah. And there was like like a, a diversity person that was like policing everything constantly with extras and stuff. And specifically it was like there was there were a few African American actors who like who, who, who were going to be playing caterers, who were going to have lines. And she said that she didn't want people of color in a service position in the film. So these actors got pulled and replaced yeah, with white actors. So, so they didn't get to have yeah. lines. Like she actually took like, oh, a shitty. job that's from them. Shitty. Yeah. I mean, but you, you definitely don't want them in stereotypical roles, but you... It, as it so happens, <laughs> race relationships are complicated. <laughs> and I don't think we're going to solve it today. Yeah, I don't really want to In the Red Cow Review Lounge. The banks are defrauded the American people. Now we can kick them in the teeth. Okay, here we go. We actually saw many more films than just this, yeah. and if uh, we, we want to keep talking about them, we're going to probably record something on the day of Oscars that's audio only. Yeah, yeah, audio only. Of the best pictures, what do you think deserves to win? Probably Oscars, what they're going for, what they're trying to say, pushing humanity forward. I would either go with Room. My personal choice would be The Martian. Mine would be Big Short. I, I, I just think that it was the most stylized. Um, not necessarily should be a winner just because it's stylized, but um, uh, most interesting cast, most interesting performances. Um, all of the elements of the film came together to make a really interesting experience for me. Yeah, I, I'd have to say um, Big Short's probably going to win it. Um, so. My vote, though, is goes to the room. Uh, room, rather. Room. I, thought, I thought it was really, really eye-opening and, and fresh. It's really hard for me, actually. I, I, I'm kind of split between The Martian and Big Short, because I, I like them both equally. I think if I had to choose Big Short, I really like economy stuff. It's kind of like this weird, boring thing I like. I listen to economy podcasts, so I was really looking forward to it. And I think it delivered. It was, it was a totally unique way. It was engaging, it was funny, it was, but it also had some serious moments. Yeah. Some things didn't work, but overall it was a great movie. So. Yeah. I would, I would choose that one. I'd be happy with any of those choices. Yeah. I would not be happy with Brooklyn. I, I would, I would, I would just, I would. I think we should end it there. So again, if uh, we're probably going to have an Oscar podcast yeah, on on the day of the Oscar, so it'll probably be a couple days after or the day after. Um, thank you for joining us, and thank you everyone um, for being beautiful. Mm -hmm.